Welcome to Kingdom Talks, where we engage leaders, teachers, creative artists, and everyday people in conversations that awaken listeners to new revelations of the Kingdom Age. All of our courses, community conversations, partnership links, and much more can be found on our website, kingdomtalksmedia.com. Now, enjoy the show. Hey, welcome everybody to Kingdom Talks. I have Larry McKnight here with me. and um, Glad to be here. We were just talking about what we were going to talk about. And the fact is, we just finished up the Restoration of All Things Conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was on Sunday. It was. This is Thursday. And they keep continuing to crack down on us. <laughs> they do. Yeah, we recently here in Colorado, uh, actually just at midnight last night, that they shut the state down. Uh, shut down non-essential businesses and all this and you know sometimes it's important to actually understand that stuff and not just bemoan about it so right. it's good well I was able to get a copy of the order last night we read it we uh, spoke to our attorney about it uh, I was kind of interpreting it there's a, a clause in there which I think is interesting uh, they don't mention churches and stuff directly but they establish as an essential service in-person pastoral care for people in crisis and so I wrote up a resolution that our board's going to uh, enact and I said, my interpretation of this is that by virtue of the order that was put out by the governor, everybody's in crisis. And so uh, pastoral care is considered yeah. uh, an essential service for everybody who's un- under this yeah. order and in crisis. I sent it to my attorney at 11 o'clock. He was, he was awesome. He's a, a wonderful guy uh, named Hugh Jones, who's just really brilliant on church law here in the Springs. And he got back to me by 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, drafted up uh, transit travel orders in case anybody gets stopped or anybody gets in trouble. So my point in all that is not that, that, you know, that I was able to do that. My point is there's wisdom available to us. Right. And if you act on it, it's not near scary. Yeah. And it's not about trying to defy the government because they're trying to do, yeah, yeah, they're trying to do their best, but also to understand that, um, you know, even Trump's aware of this and Mm -hmm. the fact that the cure is appearing to be worse than the, the, you know, the actual virus. Yeah. And I, I, not that I want to see it, but at the same time, I'd be—I wouldn't be surprised if the amount of suicides and everything that come out sure, of this a possibility. are worse than what the virus actually. Yeah, has. I think that's something we need to pray about. I, I have to confess, <clears throat> I, I didn't ascend and do this, but I was praying for President Trump several days ago, and I just really prayed that he would be who he is and, and speak out about this. And one of the yeah. things that I thought was just amazing—and these aren't his words—but he's kind of alluded to it. We really don't need to treat folks that live in Wyoming. The same way we do that folks that live in New York City because <laughs> it's an entirely yeah. different situation and I love yeah. it that that the president and the coronavirus team is beginning to think about that they're beginning mm-hmm. to, to realize it so I think we're gonna be yeah. okay uh, I just encourage everybody out there uh, be wise right and I had a friend uh, named Peggy Ball uh, I've known Peggy for a long time she sent a Facebook post out that said we're thinking about this backwards and you got to hear what what the heart is assume as you're planning your life and facing these restrictions, assume that you have the coronavirus and you're protecting other people. Exactly. Instead of trying to protect yourself. And if we had done that from the beginning, if that had been the heart and spirit of the American people, we wouldn't have had these crazy shortages. We wouldn't have had all this kind of stuff. So I just think I I, I totally want to endorse what you're saying. We've taken steps to make sure that we're doing social distancing, except right now. Well, and uh, <laughs> here's the thing, though, it's like you and your household live together. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to have social distancing. Absolutely. There. Yeah. Me and my household live together. Mm-hmm. And honestly, 
it's those two households that basically are running Joyland and or Absolutely. Kingdom Equipping yeah, Center and yeah. the studio. So we're all together anyway. We as are, long as we don't here. have much, if any, outside contact, yep. we're good. Yeah, I, absolutely. I was just joking about it. But, <laughs> but we are. Just so you guys know, yeah. uh, at Joyland, we're, we're enacting that. We're only going to have our essential team, for instance, to create content for our uh, various services. We've also shortened and increased uh, the number of, but shortened the duration of mm-hmm. our online times. And uh, we're doing it at different times a day so that people, we, ha- we have some friends in a ministry that we work with in Uganda, and those guys are in a tough strait. Uh, it's about mm-hmm. an eight hour difference or nine hour difference, something like that. So we're gonna be putting some gatherings and meetings and studies on early in the morning that they can participate in live. Yeah. But, uh, I, you know, I don't know, this is pretty far reaching. I don't know if I wanna say what I said out there. Let's just say that their country and their government is accustomed to controlling people, and they are really, um, they are really taking advantage of this coronavirus thing to control. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, so let's go ahead and jump into some things that okay. I think would be beneficial to the people that are listening, whether they're listening to it right now, you know, in the mm-hmm. midst of the coronavirus um, challenge. I'll put it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, it's at um, least that. Yeah. yeah. Or if it's months later and there's nothing really going on. But the thing is, let's. I, I want to get down to faith. Mm-hmm. And where does faith play a part in this practically? And sometimes those don't seem to go together, you know. Right. Because faith wants to take you beyond that sometimes. And, and, and we act sometimes on faith when it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So how do we approach it? Because there are those who are just kind of blatantly doing whatever they want to do and like you said the the problem may not be with them getting the virus but it may be the fact that they could easily carry the virus to somebody else so how does faith work in that situation and what should they be doing because uh you know there's there's a lot of people out there that obviously if they get exposed they they you know the elderly uh, they have a higher chance of, you know, coming down with some severe symptoms. Right, right, even, de- even death. I, I think an example of that was, was the uh, sort of the discourtesy of the spring break crowds that were shown on TV. I'm not going to single anybody out, but sure, they're young and, and all this kind of stuff, and chances are they're just going to have regular flu symptoms and it'll be over. Mm-hmm. But they were, they were down there doing that in a state that is, quintessential retirement state in the country, mm. you know, with a lot of people. So I, I think yeah. that, so, yeah, that's a good question. So what is, what is faith? You know, faith is believing. Uh, James says, I'll show you my faith by my actions. So mm-hmm. I can understand, uh, even, even the group that we were with in the conference, these are a faith-filled group of people. They're the, the people that believe in the supernatural. They believe in pulling down heaven to earth. Uh, but that doesn't give us a license, I don't think, to stop being a good citizen or to stop yeah. being courteous or yeah. to stop thinking about other people. Uh, so I, I would think that faith needs to be, let's say just as a simple test, submitted to love. Yeah. You know, love doesn't yeah. seek its own. That's one of the probably guiding principles in this situation right now. And that would be really key just to, you know, consider the people around you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so for me, I think practically, if I knew I were going to be around someone elderly, and there's a lot of the people that were at the conference who take care of their elderly parents, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so when they were going back from the conference, they were planning to quarantine for mm-hmm. two weeks, and I think that's a wise move. It is, yeah. Because I don't want to infect somebody. I don't want to be responsible for getting someone else sick. Because mm-hmm. uh, even though I may have faith not to get sick, they may not, and or we just know that if, you know the elderly are going to be more susceptible to right. coming down with this and having right. major symptoms. So. I'm choosing to do something very similar to that. Uh, I've not had contact with anybody this week 
that I did not have contact with at the conference. There was you, there's the tech team, yep, yep. The, my family, and, yep. and that. So we're restricting that. And I, I just feel like that's right. And then I have some folks uh, in our church and on our leadership team that are 70-plus, um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we're really encouraging them to uh, stay home, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we'll, we'll handle getting anything they need or anything like that. They're, they're as spunky as the next person. Right. I'm 64, right. so when they start talking about over 60, I'm looking for, you know, who can feed me grapes <laughs> while I lay on the couch, but I haven't found anybody yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, I used to be very sickly. I, I would get sick, you know, three to five times a year, two weeks at a time at a minimum, and it was just... I, it was just terrible. But honestly, since I've been stepping into the heavens, yeah. that has changed everything for me. Now, in about a four-year period, I've been sick three times in two to four days. Yeah. And, I, and that that's, I think, one way faith gets applied. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, I don't know that we, uh, we have a tendency to apply faith preemptively. But the mm-hmm. scripture talks about God being a hedge around us. He talks about being our refuge. And one of the benefits that we have as you begin to engage in the heavens is you begin to realize, hey, this stuff's literal. It's yeah. not just a, it's not just a yeah. spiritual principle. It's not just a metaphor. It could be literal. And so what if we were to, uh, what if we were to engage God as a shield, as a hedge, as a refuge, literally? See, And I, I think that's big. And that to me is something that I feel like some people get hung up with this idea. But to me, God is so much more than anything we could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. So is he a strong tower? Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is he a father? Mm-hmm. Sure, yes. Is he a hedge? Yes. Yes. And to take that literally and apply your faith to that, mm-hmm. that he is a hedge around you, and to know that and to see it in the spiritual realm, mm-hmm. to see that he's got this canopy around you that is guarding you and keeping you from the virus. Again, doesn't give you license to just um, right. you know be presumptuous that, hey, that virus isn't going to touch me. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised, and I'm telling you this now, but I wouldn't be surprised if I already got the virus mm-hmm. because Adina had flown to Sacramento before all this broke out, mm-hmm. and they had the first case in Sacramento, mm-hmm. and uh, my son was there as well, and he was actually, he's not been officially diagnosed with it, but most uh, that have seen him think that he did have it, mm-hmm. and so he was with my wife, and so even Adina said that she had had a couple days of a little gurgling or whatever in her Long story short, I feel like it got on me, but it didn't get me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to be, uh, again, be cautious about, you know, where you're going and, and whether you're carrying that to not share it with anybody exactly. else. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, so I think take those simple steps. Uh, another one we encountered, I had an Ascension. Um, I participate and I'm part of the uh, Global Ascension Network and participated in one of their ascensions this morning, a regular Thursday ascension. <clears throat> And we were reminded while in, in that ascension, as we were taking communion, how powerful communion is yeah, as a healing yeah. reality as opposed to as a religious symbol or something. And, right. You know, I, I had a, a background, Baptist background, Assemblies of God background, and we took communion seriously, but we didn't ever think about it as the, as the uh, life-giving, DNA-engaging, even though we were eating it and drinking it you know we, we just it didn't occur mm-hmm. to us mm-hmm. now it does occur to me and i remember some some stories of the early church fathers where uh i think it was origin i'm not 100 sure but he had skin disease and for like 100 days he wiped his body with the the communion wine and bread oh yeah as he took mm-hmm. communion and he was healed you know just through the engagement with communion and so that's another resource that i think faith would apply to yeah um <clears throat> 
it is, uh, this is real stuff. This is really engagement. You're taking something that Christ said, this is my body. And we don't have to make it a transubstantiation doctrine or right. whatever. But we just have to believe it. Just believe yeah. it. He left us this earthly thing in the same way that when we are baptized, for instance, uh, Paul says that we're baptized into his death. So let's believe that. Let's believe that when we go in there, there is a, there is a manifestation of union mm-hmm. with the work of Christ that makes a difference in our lives. And in some ways, really, uh, Christians all over the world count on that to, uh, to be ready for eternity. Yeah. You know, so why can't we do the same thing with communion? Today we took communion, and as mm-hmm. I felt that, that little glass of wine just going down my throat, down my palate, I just thought, what a wonderful, I mean, what a wonderful, if, even if it turns out it has to be a battleground in there with coronavirus or something, other flu, yeah. what a wonderful thing to exercise our faith toward. Amen. Amen. So, we're, as we're moving forward, I just think of, uh, this has opened up our awareness and consciousness to the fact that this kind of stuff can happen Mm -hmm. you know especially in america Mm -hmm. we've been just kind of riding the coattails of this you know ease and and comfort and not even giving it a second thought and then all of a sudden here we are in you know a movie scenario where (laughs) we're locked down um and it's not a lockdown but anyway that it kind of is. It, 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 to some <laughs> it's, degree. Yeah, it's definitely degree, not yeah. a totalitarian feeling lockdown. Right. But, uh, but, but it is a restriction on our freedom, let's put it that way. So how do we move forward knowing now that this can happen? I mean, we could look back at this from you know five or ten years down the road and just think of it as one of those things. It's like Y2K. Mm-hmm. You know, that was such a big deal when it, as it was coming up. And, yeah. and everybody was uh, kind of freaking out a little bit about that. Some people were. Um, and yet we look back at it now and it doesn't, it's like, it was nothing. It was, you know? it was crazy, yeah. Yeah, so what are we going to do when we look back at this? Now, the thing is, I don't think that it's going to, we're going to look back and, and a lot of people aren't going to be able to look back at this and just say, oh, it was nothing because they're probably going to, you know, some people are going to lose their businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's going to be a lot of loss out of this that mm-hmm. is uh, unfortunate. But um, how do we apply faith and how should we prepare? I mean, we don't want to become doomsday you know, build our doomsday bunkers and mm-hmm, <laughs> all of that. Uh, and I'm sure some people listening right now are going to come back and say, yes, we should. Uh, but how, what would be a practical way for us to begin to uh, prepare for something like this maybe happening again? Because as the population grows, mm-hmm. viruses are probably going to get oh, yeah. Yeah. worse and easier, more easily spread because of the, the increase in the population. Well, uh, wow. I hope one of the things we learn as a culture, and that would include our leaders, is that it really is important that the words you use and how you talk about stuff. And I'm not yeah. just talking in a spiritual way where that which we declare, you know, we create mm-hmm. or whatever. But uh, I think that this has been an example that careless, negative, exploitive kind of talk uh, can be very, very dangerous. And yeah. as you mentioned earlier, you know, the senses of isolation, suicide, things like that, if all we had was the dire projections, I even heard the president's uh, representative from the task force saying, yes, yes, the, if you take the model and you run model A out, it'll show you thousands and thousands of people. But model A can't go out if it's mitigated by natural things or distance mm-hmm. or that kind of thing. So I'm hoping that as a culture, the people who live on the sensational nature of this will realize that there's a danger to that yeah. and that, that truth and, and, um, and optimism isn't 
foolishness. It's it's a part of our life. So that's right. one thing. That's that's a cultural thing. Uh, like if I had if I could make something happen in the country right now, I would create a uh, I would sign a Larry McKnight executive order that <laughs> no one could ever show on TV or in print the coronavirus numbers without running the normal flu numbers next to them, just yes. to keep perspective. Absolutely. Because oh. it's crazy. People are, are, are willing to sacrifice their whole freedom for the sake of uh, hundreds when every season, including this one, thousands died by mm-hmm. this time from the flu. So that, that kind right. of thing would be a natural deal. Well, and I just want to add to that because you know, it's, no, it's no joking matter when, when people are dying. But on average, 46 people a day die from tripping and falling. Mm-hmm you don't see that plastered across the news. Right. More right. people have died from tripping and falling in this coronavirus period than people who yeah. have died from the coronavirus. No, it's true, it's true. And, and, and so all that, what that shows up to me is that uh, our focus is very important. Yeah. The focus of, the, of uh, a lot of the news media and stuff is literally on the coronavirus. It's the biggest news story that's ever happened in the country, I think, at least for at least in this our season. lifetime, yeah. for sure. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and especially for that, uh, public media, a lot of TV, a lot of news cycle. They've got plenty of stuff to talk about now like you don't normally have. Yeah. But, but where you focus your attention governs much of your thoughts. So that's a, a spiritual principle that I think we need to take much more seriously. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Mm-hmm. So we have to guard our hearts. We have to govern our hearts. And that's what it says, you know, guard your heart because from it flow the issues of life. And there's a, we're seeing that yeah. literally happen, literally yeah. happen. People are, are being afraid and they're hoarding and they're doing all kinds of stuff because of their heart. Well, that... that comes to, you know, Adina and I are going to start a, a news yeah, program. Yeah, I'm excited about that. And, but from a heavenly perspective. And the, and the thing is, from the heavenly perspective, it's not about ignoring the, the facts or the things that are going on, but it's just looking at it from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to be creating this big fear, uh, you know, that is used to control and manipulate, mm-hmm. but rather look at the facts and say, wash your hands and probably a good idea to keep your distance from other people. Mm-hmm. And but that should be a recommendation during the flu season period yeah, because yeah, the flu exactly. season wipes out a lot of people. And again, it usually hits the elderly the hardest. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's an area of faith is just, just identifying basic biblical truths. Like one of the things I enjoyed so much at the conference was I got, I got a chance to be a little bit of the, the kind of, what does the Bible say guy, you know, and that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And uh, not to take away from anything <laughs> else, but, but it is true. The scripture gives us things to believe. It gives us things to have faith. It gives us things to relate to. So like we mentioned earlier, that God is a, a shelter, a refuge, a hedge. Let's believe that. And, yeah. and for those of us that, that have come into whatever level of understanding we have, that, that when Jesus said, uh, pray this way, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're not just stuck to stand on earth and call up to heaven to come down. We actually are being invited as the Apostle John was. We're invited as Paul was taken up to get into the heavens and learn how that goes on. We, at that ascension that we were at this morning, that was something that we were doing. The Lord brought us in this, in this beautiful sanctuary area. It was uh, lined with a beautiful banquet. He says, you're always welcome to come here, mm-hmm. but I'm commissioning you today with light and energy and, and the ability to, to reach out. And, and there was even some uh, like weapon imagery and stuff like that that showed how serious he was about us from heaven accessing and carrying the reality of, of truth, first of all, but the truth that's in the Word, too. There's, there's a lot of this. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. th- that would be a, a big one, I think, is let's go ahead and build our lives in mm-hmm. a practical way that <clears throat> takes every advantage of the permissions that the Scripture gives. And I'm, I'm leaning over here because i got my Bible over here. Every advantage that the Scripture gives and take it seriously. Yeah. Take it really seriously. Yeah. 
So, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, there's going to be a few things that I will do differently as we move on through life that, uh, you know, I'll make sure I have a few things stocked up. I never have been a stalker of things, um, uh, you know, stockpiling things. Mm -hmm. But um, at the same time, I, you know, once we got moving into this, I realized, oh, you know, it's not really about me having fear that something's going to happen. But the fact is, all the other people that have fear and went and took everything off the shelves, Mm -hmm. you know, I only need one thing of toilet paper for another week. (laughs) But it's not there, <laughs> you know. So, so just coming to that realization, it's not. It, it, you know, we have to think a little further down the line, I yeah. guess. Yeah. And so, it's probably going to be you know some wisdom to have a few things set aside. That hey, if if everything really went downhill, that you you would have uh, some things set aside mm-hmm. and not have to panic because that's what people are doing they're panicking they are. They are. and I didn't even go out to the stores or anything today because you know the the thing went into act uh, at 8 a.m. this morning right mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. everyone you know has to stay home um, uh, except for essential personnel and even pastors as you mm-hmm. pointed out but um, uh, you know I, I I didn't go to the stores because I figured because of that new uh, announcement the stores are going to be frantic again. I, I don't know. I didn't go out, yeah. but I didn't even want to go see. Just like let them do what they're going to do. We got enough to last for you know a week or two, yeah. and we'll just keep going back and looking. And you know the toilet paper started to get back on the on the shelves sure, there is, yeah. a little bit. Somebody was saying that the, there was even uh, some people trying to get toilet paper and take it back to Walmart because they bought so much of it that they. <laughs> yeah, I heard. I heard that Costco and Walmart, and I would presume Sam's Club too, since they're part of Walmart. Uh, they're refusing people returns on those. And so there were people of that course. bought like, so a friend of mine, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think another thing we got to do is keep, this doesn't have anything to do with faith, it has to do with keeping a sense of humor. Yeah. A friend of mine, uh, pastor up in Alaska, posted a meme, had a big roll of toilet paper on it. And um, on, the, on the roll of toilet paper, it said, if you need 144 rolls of toilet paper for a 14-day quarantine, you probably should have seen the doctor earlier. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was so funny. And let me tell you something. This is a tough situation because people are getting sick, and there are people that die associated with it. But we cannot surrender uh, being jovial. We cannot yes, surrender yes. being happy. We're not oh. mocking people that are sick. No, Far from not that. at all. Not at all. But you have to keep a sense of humor a little bit, and you have to not take yourself so darn seriously. That, I think... Uh, you know, again, love doesn't seek its own. Doesn't yeah. think of itself first. We so we had a group yesterday as well, and we were doing an ascension, and and it just felt like the Lord was. He, in fact, he he was just as as jovial and and funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, in fact, I'd never even seen him so much so. And I, the very purpose was, and I obviously did this in in, in jesting, but I, you know, I said, just remember everybody, because I got everybody calmed down. I said, just remember everybody. It's the seriousness of the Lord. That gives us strength, <laughs> and you know, of course, that's not the case. And but it's the joy of the Lord that's that gives right. us our it's the strength. Joy of the Lord. And we so miss that, and we so get tied up in in the fear that you know the fear of things. And, and anyway, so yeah, uh, I saw another uh, post where uh, at um, Costco they had had a misprint, and but somebody had you know took taken a picture of it, and they said they said. Excuse my language, but it said, "Well, crap! Now look what you have all have done. Costco's not going to have the toilet paper for another twenty-three thousand years because they had a typo on their date." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So here's here's a, here's a, what I mean by Scripture giving us permission. Psalms two, 
Why are the nations in an uproar and the people devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. Okay, hmm. that's a serious thing. That's like rebellion at a world mm -hmm. schedule. That's rejecting the Lord, rejecting his anointed. It's the kind of thing that Psalms would pre presage of the, the arrest and crucifixion of Christ. All right, here's the Lord's reaction. He who sits in the heaven laughs. Mm -hmm. The Lord scoffs at them. And he will speak, then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury. <laughs> All right. So I'm not, I'm not saying, I don't know even trying to overly exegete that. All I'm saying is that passage of scripture right there allows us to maintain a sense of lightheartedness when mm -hmm. we're facing trials. Mm -hmm. And if you go back and you read some of the stories of the martyrs and you read some of the stories in the early church, there was a kind of joy there. Mm -hmm. and a kind, even of happiness, not that people were wanting to be killed or, or impaled or put on the stake or, you know, eaten by the lions in the Roman Colosseum or whatever, but they lived a practical Christianity full of assurance that most of us, for most of our lives, have never known anything yeah. about. Yeah, and to me, the, that in comes the heavenly perspective. Yeah, that if we truly believe and understand what's going on in heaven, and that Father is a good Father, and He has good things for us, and that death here is not the end of things. Yeah, it's just another phase. It really, really does change our our thought process and how we look at everything. Right, and uh, so you know, again, it's going to be fun. You know, doing the news from a yeah. heavenly perspective yeah. and just here's the facts people you know use common sense in some of these areas but please fear you know is not part of god that's right perfect love casts out all fear and right. so we should not have to operate in any type of fear so let's look at those things i, I i'm i'm getting better and better at just catching every little stress point mm -hmm. every little concern because those are fears yeah. now caution is a little bit different it's like you know if you're going to be walking tightrope you know, you mm -hmm. want to have some caution and be, you know, really careful, mm -hmm. not just be flippant about trying to get across. So, you know, there are different places and different times, different things that bring up the need for caution. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what's your concern about or worry about? So or, when you when you recognize that you're reacting on a fear point, what do you do? That, I mean, for me, I'm like, hallelujah. You know, Dean and I teach in The Ultimate Impact. We talk about joyful repentance. Yeah, there you go. Joyful repentance, because every time I can repent... Of something that that has had um, you know uh, an effect on my life, I am basically taking a tool out of the enemy's hands that he can now no longer mm -hmm. use against me. That's good. That's good. So when I when I recognize a fear or a concern or a worry, it's like, well, thank you, Lord, because that's just simply revealing something in me that I need to take to the Lord to have it dealt with. Mm -hmm. And you know, so I do. I will take it to Him to have it dealt with. Why am I fearing this? What am I fearing? That oftentimes is more the question because yeah. worries and concerns are so uh, you know you know tied into our knitted into our lives uh, that we you know we have a concern or a worry and we half the time don't even know what it's about. Right, right. So I will take that to the Lord and I'll say, "What is this? Why worries are this way? are often not even cognitive. You, you, yeah, they're just whatever. a trigger point from yeah. something in the past. Oftentimes, yeah. I learned something a long time ago. Uh, we had a group of pastors who were praying together all the time, and one of the guys started praying a certain way about repentance. And it developed into, into some stuff that really helped me. So here's, uh, here's what that is. If, if punishment is our, our uh, mode of thinking, if separation is our mode of thinking, then repentance is going to be about the thing that's keeping us separated or earning us punishment. And even the act of repentance can sometimes be a backward look. 
Mm-hmm. We started talking about yeah, repenting yeah. into something rather than from something. Because what we're, if we are in fear, it is because we're not conscious of love. If we are doing anything, uh, like sin, I've heard, I've heard people describe, I think Mike even talked about this week, sin is, is a, an identity problem. It's forgetting yes, who yes, you are. Yes. You know? mm-hmm. And in, so whatever form you understand that, I think that's true. And so repentance is not so much dealing with the, the thing that filled that sort of foggy, dark void and, and caused us to behave in a way contrary to our identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, repentance from sin, repentance from fear, repentance from negative things, uh, self-centeredness, it doesn't matter what, yeah. is into something. What? It's yeah. into our identity. It's into yeah. the revelation yeah. of who we are. It's into yeah. the fact that Jesus said, in that day you'll know that I'm with my Father, in my Father, and you're in me and I'm in you. This is a reality we have got to start dealing with. And I think that's one of those things to start attaching faith yeah. to the minute we recognize it. And repent, really into, repent into Just think how different the world would be right now in the middle of this coronavirus thing if everybody were you know, uh, practicing not walking in fear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would change. It would change the the toilet paper rolls would still be on the shelf. They would, yeah. You know, and yeah. and life would be going on as normal. Mm-hmm. And yet, it's and how much of the more panic. spiritual and mental energy that we have as sons of God, or that just people made in the image of God have, how much more of that energy would be directly applied to the solutions to this and to the relationships that are necessary. Yeah, that's yeah. what gets yeah. robbed when we when we yeah. are constantly looking backwards. And unfortunately, it's sad because most of the Christian world is reacting the same as the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And um, and this is our this is our opportunity to shine. Mm-hmm. This is our opportunity to to be the light. Yeah. And so that's part of the thing that I'm looking at. What what is my identity when I when I'm sensing fear and worry and stress? That is basically uh, that's not the light. Mm-hmm. And yet Jesus in me is the light of the world. So I am that light of the world. He is shining through me. But if I've got this fear and this other stuff, then I've got that kicked over the top of it, and so I'm not really able to shine the way I should be able mm-hmm. to. And and it's it is sad that there, um, you know, that so many Christians that are walking the the walk with Jesus, they have their ticket to heaven, but that's all they've got, mm-hmm. you know. And even at that, on their deathbed, they probably are going to be fearful. Yeah, no doubt. Because they don't really know that they've got. You know the love of God, yeah. and that they're safe in yeah, His hands. I agree. So I got one other thing that I think uh, we could apply faith towards, and faith is just believing in the word of another. Faith is believing what God says. Believing it, it uh, you know, it, it can be believing what the Bible reveals. Uh, it can be believing what, but ultimately, it's believing what God says. It's, yeah. it's believing the yeah. words. You know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the rhema of Christ, the words of Christ. So what Christ is talking about, what Jesus is speaking to you, but if you don't know that He's speaking to you, then Having faith is a yeah. is a very difficult challenge. So, first thing we got to do is we got to believe that that what Jesus says is true that He's in us and we're in Him and we're before the Father that that he, the Father loves us because we love Jesus. But that there's an identity thing going on here that creates a son. And we have to believe that Jesus called us friends and not slaves because He wanted to reveal everything yeah. that was going on in the Father's heart to us. Yeah. We have to believe the Holy Spirit's been given to lead us into all truth. We're not in the dark. We're not confused. We're not isolated. We're not that. All those things that this particular crisis is pointing out we have a chance in the midst of it to prove you know that's not true mm-hmm. we, and the reason that we're vulnerable to it I think is because we have taken for granted things like the value of fellowship and connection and belief yeah. and so on and yeah. that's something I'm hoping is going to change I, I, I see this <clears throat> happening a little bit and the reason we're trying to have like a lot of meetings short, short ones is I want people to understand the church is not the structure nor the building the church mm-hmm. 
literally is the union that has been created with us first with Christ and then in yeah. Christ That's good. with one another. Like that, like yeah. that. Well, hey, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be back right after this short message. Hey there. Hey there. Thank you for joining Kingdom Talks. We are taking a short break to share with you the life-changing online course called Ultimate Impact. Gil and Adina do an amazing job taking the complicated and making it simple and applicable for your life. Ecclesia groups are using this course to shift their thinking into the next age paradigm. Yeshua spoke of power, authority, love, and oneness that we have yet to walk in. So if you're ready to deconstruct limiting beliefs in order to step into what Father is doing now, this course is for you. Sign up today at KingdomTalksMedia.com under the Courses tab. Now, back to the show. All right, well, we're back with Larry McKnight, and we're at Joyland. Um, so tell us again uh, what you're going to be doing with your services, and how is this going to look for the future? Because uh, people watching now, you know, it could be way after this coronavirus thing mm-hmm. is gone. Mm-hmm. When are your services? How can they join you? Okay. Well, uh, up to this point, we've had our primary weekly service Friday night, Mountain Time, 6.30 Mountain Time. And uh, then we've had Zoom available to that with members, mostly local members, but a few remote members. And then we've also put that on uh, live on Facebook at night. And on Sunday morning, we repost just the teaching part of that or whatever. Uh, we also have two other primary uh, online groups on Tuesday night at 6.30. And we have one on Monday at 6 o'clock and that's accommodating some people further back east. That's really been our structure for a while. We've had vision for it, and we've known that we needed to reach out in different ways. But uh, this, this uh, whatever you call it, calamity, has, has really opened <laughs> the door. Accelerated it. Yeah, yeah, to think about that. And so we're, like, super quick. So uh, our next service, uh, our next gathering is going to be online. It is going to be Friday um, of this given week. And we're going to continue those all the time at 6.30 on Friday. But before two weeks goes by from this point, uh, and we're at the, what, the 26th or, I don't remember what it is, toward the end of of, of March. (laughs) Before a couple weeks go by, we're going to try to have two or three different gatherings in each of the daytime segments and scattered throughout the week. So we want to have two or three morning groups. Uh, One of those will clearly be an ascension group. The other will be a teaching group and a fellowship group, and one will probably be a discussion group. There's going to be some specialty meetings. I know my wife is putting together a... Uh, one in the afternoon, I think, uh, one o'clock in the afternoon women's group, uh, mostly for local, but everything in our thinking now is, is enabling us to reach out to other people as well. Just had a wonderful conversation with a, a woman who lives in Ontario, Canada, and so we're adjusting some stuff so that the people on the East Coast can have a more comfortable time. So we're probably going to s- spend our time a lot online like that. Now, how is that going to impact when we can get back together? I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. Yeah. I'm open. Uh, I love fellowshipping with people and all that kind of stuff. But one thing I've learned is uh, is that it's really easy to slip back into what you're familiar with. Yeah. When, in fact, God yeah. might be calling you ahead. Now, I would right. admonish you guys with that kind of thing, too. Mm-hmm. Take this time to think through and, 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 and dialogue with the Lord. Ascend. Sit with the Father. Be instructed by the Spirit. Let the Spirit of Wisdom speak to you. Uh, how much of what you're doing is just because you've been doing it for a long time? Because I'm mm-hmm. facing that. 
And how much of it is because it's actually you've actually been called to it, and the Lord's opening up doors and portals and stuff. And that's what what's so amazing is is like Father is giving most people around the world an opportunity for a reset, mm-hmm. and uh, so take advantage of it. Yeah, really absolutely. look at what what you think Father is saying for you to do. Um, you know, I I was a lot of people have said uh, you know that everybody's getting this great break and everything, and, and I, I don't know that you are. I know that we're not. <laughs> yeah, I'm because busy all of our heads. stuff was online anyway. Yeah, so, no, I'm totally busy. And and to me, you know, for us anyway, Dean and I, you know, it's a responsibility to the people that we have been engaged sure. with to keep going. And uh, you know, otherwise everybody gets isolated, more yeah. and more isolated. So stay engaged. Uh, you know, ask the Father where He wants you to be engaged at. It could be Joyland, it could be Kingdom Equipping Center. We we do our 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 um, gathering on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm right here at 10:30, but it's broadcast mm-hmm. live so people can join in and interact with us on zoom if they want to just like they can on yep. yours yep. um and then it also goes out to facebook and youtube at the same time so that's going out there plus we have our three shows uh which you're going to be starting yeah, your own show soon so that'll be coming that'll be fine i'm looking forward to it uh, we've got a show coming up in spanish um and i know there's another one that i'm not i'm missing at the moment the, the but new show <clears throat> the new show yeah mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, there's a lot of great things that are taking place online. We can take advantage of this. There is nothing wrong with it. Um, is it fragile? I don't want to say it's fragile, fragile, but in other words, could the internet go down? Oh, yeah. There's, <laughs> vulnerable is probably the word. Vulnerable, yeah. There are some vulnerabilities. In, in, you know, I think what we'd ask for in that, regardless of how we're positioning ourselves in ministry, just just have some grace. Yeah. Uh, Gil and Dean yeah. are doing a great job keeping stuff flowing online. We we proved this weekend at the conference that we could adjust and adjust and adjust yeah. again and adjust again. Yeah. And all total, uh, there were, what, 70 or 80 people online that were being served on a regular basis? Um, there were up to 100. Up to 100 there. <clears throat> yeah, because well, there were groups that were Yeah, we had people split places. up in groups of 10, 9 yeah. or 10 in homes and in various <laughs> rooms around here. So uh, it yeah. can happen. It can happen. It's, yeah. uh, it's a good thing. Well, and that you know, Dean and I, our our heart for that conference was to have people break up into groups mm-hmm. and to be in these groups and have lunch together, get to know one another, have conversations together. And it was as if Father was like, "No, we'll take that a little bit further. Yeah, no, <laughs> we'll just yeah. have them in groups the whole time." I do have to confess, I was really <laughs> impressed by Gil. On that, when we got down to the ten, uh, I was concerned about. I was praying about that morning when I was driving in, that people would not think it was fair. You know, if they didn't get to sit in there with the speakers. And so I had proposed that we just tell the speakers, because there's only a limited number of us, you guys can't come in. You have to teach remotely. And that would have made it fair for everybody if they were in a remote situation. But Gil took the more aggressive stand. From what I understand, I wasn't there, but <laughs> I heard that you asked for volunteers and the people in the main room where the speakers were going to be, and yeah. nobody was willing to volunteer. So you just said, okay, so we're clear in this room. It's just going to be speakers and tech team, and you, you better go find a room. There's There are four of them available, and there's yeah. some houses that are available. It was really neat, though, because... I understand that people want to be close. They want to get that annoying. You want to get spit on even in a coronavirus time. I I used to sit back in Southern California. I used to love uh, the the pastor's conferences that Jack Hayford's church made, Mm -hmm. Church on the Way. And uh, we would, a bunch of us young pastors would sit up front hoping, because he was kind of a spitter when he preached and stuff, hoping we'd get spit on because we figured there was anointing in that spitting. And so I totally am sympathetic. I just do want to commend all the people that came to the 
to the yeah, conference. Yeah. They, they handle it very, very well, very courteously, very graciously. Yeah, and, and you know, I, and I hold nothing against any of the, the people that were wanting to hang on to no, their seats that, no. because nobody knew what was going on. We yeah. didn't even know what was going on. We just were kind of, you know, asking Father, where, where are we going next? What's going on? And so, yeah, every, everybody, you know, went into their groups, and those groups bonded. They did. It was really uh, cool. It was fantastic. It I mean, was nobody really cool. wanted to leave their groups. In fact, some of those groups went on and are now planning to get together on Zoom that's and awesome. continue. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's great. It was it was a blessed thing all the way around, mm-hmm. um, and and that all that was was one of the challenges. You know, Dean and I talked about. You know, it's not about the enemy always coming and yeah. trying to pull you down or anything. It's simply the challenges of life that give you opportunity to level up. Yeah. And so we had a great opportunity to level up this last weekend. It was neat. It was neat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the people, the administrators, the owners of the building and stuff here were very oh, gracious. That too. was fantastic. It was pretty cool. And yeah. they they recognized that that we represented. Courtesy and love and in and, and Christ. Well, it yeah. was pretty cool. I've talked to a few of them after that. Good, so it's been good. Good, good. awesome. Well, um, we got, let's see, about, uh, yeah, we got 20 minutes left. Oh, so cool. We're good. All right. So um, just looking further down the road, uh, what do you see Father doing? And what do you think some of the purposes you know, are in this whole thing? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. he, I don't believe he caused this. No, not at all. But he's going to use it right. for the good. Right. Uh, what, what do you think? He's constantly those? a redeemer. Absolutely. He's constantly absolutely. a redeemer. And, uh, <clears throat> and so, yeah, I, I, I absolutely know that he didn't cause it, but he's totally unafraid of getting in the middle of it and working something yeah. out. So the first point that I would suggest and lo- like to talk about, actually, is w- we uh, at Joyland and some of our small groups, that phrase of social distancing, and I understand it, and I understand the importance of it in a situation like this, mm-hmm. But the phrase social distancing seemed to carry with it a backdoor of separation, isolation, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so uh, we, we have been praying about and talking about and looking at Scripture and so on, how not to let the enemy take advantage of that. And when I, when I say let the enemy take advantage, I, I don't mean the, you know, the, the overt obsessing of, of people over it, but I mean the idea of robbing us of our freedom to connect. Yeah. robbing us of the value. And I, I think like most things that the enemy would seek to take advantage of, it's going to backfire because we pretty much robbed ourselves before all this happened mm-hmm. of the value of staying connected. Mm-hmm. And so people would feel like that they were sort of fully connected by going to church once a week or by going to a small group once yeah. a week. And, and I think when, when somebody takes that, that facade away by taking away some of your ability and freedom to connect, I'm noticing that people are realizing, dang, it's valuable to have friends. Yeah. It's valuable yeah. to fellowship. It's valuable to pray together. Yeah. It's valuable to ascend together. I think that's going to be one of the great long-term benefits of this, if we'll take advantage of it, yeah. uh, is, to, is to realize how important it is, and not necessarily how important it is to get together with a 1,000 people. And I'm not adverse to that, and I'm mm-hmm. not sour grapesing it because we don't have 1,000 people in our church. Yeah. What, I, what, what, I, what I'm saying is that the group of a dozen or so people that you can begin to share your life with, I think is going to be revived. The value of that is going to be revived in the thinking of the church through this process. I'm mm-hmm. hoping so anyway. Mm-hmm. I know it's happening with us at Joyland. Yeah. And it's consciously happening in me, and I'm searching the scriptures, and I'm praying, and I'm spending time with the Father on how to make that valuable. Mm-hmm. And it's changing the nature of, of pastoral care, really. Um, I, I know one of the threats to pastoral care that I've experienced is everything gets revolved around serving that one group occasion or the that type mm-hmm. of thing. 
And the reality is pastoral care is the kind of thing that is provided almost one sheep at a time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I think w- w- in relating to one another, that is a potential benefit to take away. And we need to be intentional about that now. You know, about. I don't know why my mind went here, but I think of, um, I, I used to be big on small groups. Mm-hmm. A little play on words, but. Um, Me too. <laughs> I, I really, I really loved it. In fact, I, I did, uh, you know, part of my study and papers that I did in seminary were on small groups. Mm-hmm. And that was my focus when I got into my first church and all that. But I look back to those, and yeah, some of them had great bonding. And the ones that had great bonding were the ones that, uh, you know, really had relationship. They really focused on um, each other. Mm-hmm. They focused on building each other up. But then there were the groups that uh, operated. What, and I would say that what I just shared, that's operating out of the tree of life, mm-hmm. where they're focused on the relationships and the love, versus there were other small groups that were focused on who knew the most mm-hmm. and people didn't gain what they could have or should have got out of a small group because instead of being received and accepted they were constantly kind of just put in their place mm-hmm. because you know no that's not right let me tell you how mm-hmm. it really is that as we move forward that we would remember to operate out of the tree of life yeah. and think in terms of the tree of life versus the tree of knowledge of good and evil because the tree of knowledge of good and evil it's black and white it's right and wrong mm-hmm. and in that, or out. Yeah. yeah, and you're either with me or you're against me. So, and that's where all the lines get drawn and d- doctrines come out and all that. But that as we move forward, that we would continue to, to to focus. You know, as we're as we're gaining more ground and understanding and having greater revelation and um, awareness of who God is and who we are in Him, there is going to be more and more room. There has to be more and more room for people to share their concepts without the fear of being shut down. Yeah. Because, it, it, and I, everybody knows me for this, the conversation is so important. Yeah, it is. And if people are shut down just because they bring up a new concept, we will never get to the truth because mm-hmm. they may be carrying a piece of truth or a big piece of truth right. that we'll never get to because they get shut down. And with this conference that just happened this weekend uh, and with the one that happened in the UK, there is something absolutely massively shifting in the earth because in the past when the the concept of restoration of all things has been brought up it's usually been a little you know one person or a little group of people and the rest of the world just kind of shuts them down and snuffs it out and Mm -hmm. i'm talking about over the last couple thousand years Mm -hmm. you know it's never really gained a strong root and taken off i believe that what's happening is it because of the internet it is taking root and it is taking off and people you know are getting less and less tolerant of the idea of getting shut down just because you have a different idea and they're realizing how you know it is a barbaric mindset you know and Adina and I go over that in in our lessons there's barbaric Greek and Hebrew mm-hmm. you know the Hebrew mindset is a you know one of trust and faith Greek is of the knowledge of tree you know the mm-hmm. tree of good and evil and, and then the barbaric is just fear and manipulation and control yeah. that's interesting interesting way to put it yeah no I, I agree uh, the concept that we were at, are exploring in the in the conference this week, restoration of all things, is a good one to think about how the implications of that are going to be. Mm-hmm. And some I want to speak to about those of us that are exploring this idea, believing it, committed to it. We can be guilty of that same kind of exclusion oh, yeah. in the same way. Absolutely. We can we can adopt that Absolutely. barbaric mindset, if you yep. would, and just really push back. And I worry about that a little bit when I talk to people. The last thing I said to the folks uh, at the conference was, you have permission to believe this. You have permission from the scripture, you have permission from the early church fathers, and, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of the details as I understand it on the flow, the first three, 300, 400, 
years, yeah. uh, 500 almost, it was the dominant view in, the, in yep. most of the church yep. you know, that God was going to find a way. Yep. And that when Peter said that Jesus was going to be kept in heaven until the time appointed for the restoration of all things, and that God was going to be all in all, that's what he meant. You know? mm -hmm. And everybody just kind of worked mm -hmm. on that assumption, and they didn't have a big argument against it. Then you start moving forward, and when you start getting into 1,200, 1,300, 1,500, you get the Reformation in there that reacted against doctrines like uh, purgatory and stuff with a real bright line at death and an eternal nature of punishment and so on to, to counteract what they thought was wrong teaching about purgatory and stuff like that. But even then, even then, there was still a number of people. Uh, if you read uh, Augustine's stuff, he had a, a whole bunch of chapters in his series of books where he was addressing those who believe this abominable thing, you know. That means yeah, there was yeah. a lot of people that were of note right. that were believing that. And then you go back um, into like the uh, early church in England, the Church of England, various things like that, you know, the Roman influence, and then the Protestant movement split off. There's always been components of this, always been people who were, were believing it. So all of that to say, as we seek to believe this today, uh, we need to be able to do so in, a, in an adult way, in a civil way, in a, in a, a way with a smile on our, our, mm -hmm. our face and a smile from our hearts. One of the things that I had mentioned to Gil that I, I feel very passionate about is go ahead and spend some time. Don't, don't feel like just because you've gotten beyond the letter of the law, you know, the letter of the word here, mm -hmm. don't, don't believe or feel like that there's no value in that. Go oh, back yeah. in there and, and, and work with that yeah. biblical language. Understand it. So, like, there was a little thing that came up in one of our conversations that is, is an illustration to me. Um, the word for uh, the book of Revelation, it, it's called the apocalypse, right? Mm -hmm. And apocalyptic literature, I, I realized this weekend as we were sitting there talking, look at the influence negativity and doom has on a culture. The mm -hmm. word apocalypse means the revealing. But... If you ask a hundred people in our culture, what, uh, give me an example of a post-apocalyptic movie. It would be something like Mad Max or one of those yeah, kind of things. Yeah. And what they mean by that is that it's a post-disaster, mm -hmm. not a post-revealing. We ought to encourage some Christian movie makers to make a post-apocalyptic movie, which is the awakening that everybody in the world yeah, is beginning to experience yeah. now that yeah. Christ can be yeah. seen with mm -hmm. a natural eye. That would literally be post-apocalyptic. Yeah. And so we've got to start thinking that way. And I think the scripture is a long way. We had uh, a number of people come up to the mic and ask questions. And a lot of the questions started, well, I'm been working on believing all this or all that, but what about? And then they would cite a scripture that was traditionally mm -hmm. thought of as judgment mm -hmm. or, or condemnation mm -hmm. or <clears throat> death or something like that. And I realized how important it is to be able to look at those things differently. Yeah. And not just differently randomly not because just somebody had an experience and, and told you and I, I really value those 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 should be treated like testimonies and, and given great value but if you'll dig in just a little bit in the bible you'll realize that just like in the word apocalyptic we've attached a disaster mm -hmm. concept to it that's not what it means right yeah. and same thing with judgment and a lot of other things yeah well and we were just having a conversation with a group yesterday and um uh you know, these, these are legitimate concerns that the people bring up with the, when they look at the scriptures and they, all we have is what we've been taught. Yeah. 
And all I can say is begin to hold things a little bit more loosely. Now, for some people, that doesn't fit well at all. You know, they got their doctor in there. Yeah. And, yeah. And well, people are afraid of being wrong, again, yeah. because they're operating out, out of, of the, fear. Out, of, out of the <laughs> mandate that flows from the, the knowledge of good and evil, good versus evil. What's right, what's wrong? Yeah. You know. But to, to allow people to uh, begin to look at these differently and... Um, it's hard. It's not. It, it is not an overnight thing. Mm-mm. You know, when Adina and I first started looking at it, it took us a good nine months. And when we first even considered it, it was like no way. Mm-hmm. You know, when it f- was first put to us because of our former teaching, and because we were taught to interpret certain scriptures one way. And what we really, really have to come to um, understand, and this is really hard for a lot of people, but you know, we are two thousand years removed from the Greek, you know, mm-hmm. writing of the scriptures. When you think how much words change meaning even mm-hmm. today, mm-hmm. you know, even in a decade or, you know, uh, especially a hundred years, how much has the Greek language changed? Mm-hmm. And you got Strong's Concordance that came out in the late 1800s. He's almost 2,000 years removed from mm-hmm. that, 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 that uh, era. Yeah. And, you know, so we're doing our best, but we also have to realize that what's being translated can't be helped we're human beings it cannot be helped to translate it according to what we believe so when there's a lot of different options for a word we're going to most likely use the word that fits what we believe yeah versus a word that would teach something totally different i mean that would just be logical for us to do that mm-hmm. and so we just have to re- keep all these things in in uh, in our in our heart and our mind as we're reading and rereading and digging into scripture a little bit further that the Bible was translated, you know, many times over, and that the people that translated it, you could, I don't want to say that they had an agenda, but they... They had a bias, they, for sure. They, they definitely had a bias. Yeah, everybody, everybody, everybody every, when you got to take one word that, that uh, means a certain thing in a certain language and translate it into another, you're going to have to do your best with your bias to mm-hmm. see what there. So mm-hmm. that's one thing that I think is good for, for us to do is, is not get uh, militant, not yeah. get yeah. judgmental or critical about mm-hmm. about people. By and large, people that are following the Lord down through the centuries are trying to do their best. You know? right. Let's give, right. them, give them the grace that they do that. We're Absolutely. trying to do our best. Man, if you hauled out some of the old cassette tapes from when I was first teaching, I wouldn't want a bunch of people <laughs> evaluating how yeah. smart or spiritual I was over those things because they were stupid. <laughs> but uh, uh, so we had a question. I had a question, as a matter of fact, this weekend where... Uh, a woman came up and said, well, what about the passage that says judgment uh, is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay? Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, she asked the question appropriately <laughs> with a full, fully packed suitcase of meaning. And so I, uh, I told her, well, I, I believed it. Uh, one of the things about just answering questions on the fly is you just got to, you know, you can only use what's in here. In, in here. So mm-hmm. I told her, well, I believe it. Uh, but I think we probably need to look at what that is. So I, I took time that night uh, to look up the concept of judgment, the words for, for judgment, and particularly the words for vengeance, and it was interesting. I don't remember the Greek right now. But the primary definition of that word as it's used throughout there and as it's put in the Septuagint and as you would then link it to the Hebrew words mm-hmm, back mm-hmm. there, the primary was uh, vindication. The second definition was retribution. But the primary is vindication. And there's a bunch of places. I ran one. I read one while I was doing some devotions earlier this week. That's what I was looking for, but I don't remember what it is. But it's talking about Zion uh, being restored, and it says the Lord's wrath is coming with vindication. Hmm. So think about this. A lot of times when that word uh, 
is used, it's used against, uh, it's used to discriminate between a, a victimizer and a victim. Yeah. And that God's going to take the, the side of the victim and he's going to vindicate them. All mm-hmm. right. Now, so the idea of vengeance or retribution is a secondary definition to that. I'm not saying there's not an element in there, and I'm not saying we don't have to wrestle with it, mm-hmm. but the truth of the matter is it's the deliverance of us, deliverance of God's people that's spoken of in that Romans passage about vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's not punishment. It's vindication. Yeah. And so that was an interesting thing to learn. And that's the level of study I'm talking about. I, I'm not really talking about having to go back to college and get a, a Greek uh, right, study right. or a Hebrew study. What I am saying is... is Pick up some of the tools. Uh, like one thing I'm going to start promoting a little bit is the, uh, I think it's called the Blue, Blue Letter Bible. Bible. Blue, Blue Letter Bible. Blue yeah. Letter Bible. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you can get access to some of this Greek stuff. Now, I will tell uh, this audience that the online market for Bible study is dominated by a particular theological view, more of a Reformed theological view. So I just had a friend ask me, hey, what about commentaries in this Bible program you use? Mm -hmm. I go, I don't use a whole lot of them. I I, I refer to them occasionally. But they're coming from a Reformed mindset. They're built on penal substitutionary atonement. And they are uh, locked into the idea that we're all separated from God. And the whole process of the gospel Mm -hmm. is to bridge the gap of that separation, kind of the old Roman's road thing or that old gap where Christ is across is laid across it. We understand we understand in this audience, in this group, that that is not a very accurate picture of what the condition is because of the finished nature of the work of Jesus, because Jesus uh, died uh, and was sacrificed as a Savior before the foundation of the world, because the Holy Spirit's been poured on all people. There's not that sense of actual separation. There's the perception of it, but it's not real. In other words, God was in Christ, reconciling the world, not mm-hmm. counting their trespasses against us. The new covenant is built on the fact that he, he meets our transgressions with mercy and he remembers our sins no more so what we're doing is we're showing people and and persuading people that god loves them now yeah and that they need to yield to that so faith for them is that you need to trust that god loves you and then begin to experience that love in his presence that's what i'm encouraging us to study a little bit so that when we run into these kind of words about Mm -hmm. uh about vengeance we just go beyond yeah, and, you know, I need to put some links out on, um, and maybe I'll put them in this this talk here, but uh, there's some links out there. If you just start Googling hell, because that's, that's another thing that's closely associated with this whole restoration mm-hmm. of all things, mm-hmm. um, you know, the truth about hell, uh, there, there's, there's a lot of websites that are already dealing with this. And so anyway, I'll put some of those links out there, because yeah. you need to do your own research. You need to look at this for yourself, and again, try to open up to the point of just allowing God mm-hmm. to show you something different. Yeah. And, and remember that he's a God of love. Mm-hmm. And if we can just start there, that will change our paradigm because Absolutely. I know for myself that, you know, this is pretty sick, honestly, but I know for myself that in the past I was so militant about my religious beliefs mm-hmm. that, you know, if someone didn't believe them and didn't accept them, you know, I, I could be I, I, I could say, well, they'll they'll get their 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 justice and they're going to burn in hell forever. And it's like, you know, looking at that now, it's just absolutely ridiculous yeah. to think, number one, to even think that way. But number two, that justice for not making a correct decision now means burning in hell forever. Yeah. How does that yeah. balance out? W- one thing that that uh, is Desert. big to me, it, it was the start of my rethinking some of this stuff is. Are these my thoughts 
my doctrines, are they doctrines that were lent to me or borrowed to me or enforced over me by people I respected? Not all those are bad. Not all those are bad because God did give teachers and yeah, evangelists yeah. and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, or is this, is this what the scripture really reveals? And then more importantly, is it what Christ reveals about the heart of the Father? And I say more importantly because Jesus himself distinguished between searching the scripture, thinking you'll find life, and coming to him to, to receive life. And he prioritized coming to him. Mm -hmm. The reason is because of what we were talking earlier. There can be bias. There can be, you know. Um, so I always ask my, my pastor friends, so how, how do you process the part you don't know? Because Paul says we know in part. Yeah. So what about the part you don't know? What room do you <clears throat> hold in the part you do know for the revelation that might come to the part you don't? And it makes people nervous a little bit, but and it also could open the door to, well, then we can't trust anything. But I don't think that's true. Hmm. Do trust the scripture. Do trust the revelation of the scripture that Jesus elucidates and shows you of the Father. And then go to the Father and ask. Go to the Father and ask. Yeah. Jesus said, hey, I'm not going to say that I'm going to give you what you're asking of the Father because he loves you. He's going to give it to you too. He says that in John chapter, I think, 15 or something like that. Yeah. 14, 15. So we have a relationship. That's what Christ died to do. He died and rose again so that we can have an unhindered relationship with the Father. Take advantage of that. Yeah. Take advantage of that. Well, hey, this has been great. We yeah. are going to have some behind-the-scenes okay. here in just a minute. Um, just want to thank you, the, the partners that are already supporting us. Yeah, if you haven't you been supporting us and you'd like to, uh, just go to kingdomtalksmedia.com, and uh, we will see you all next time. That's great. Blessings. God bless. Bye. Thank you for taking time out to listen to Kingdom Talks. You can find out more about Kingdom Talks Media and our mission to unite in faith and grow as mature sons at KingdomTalksMedia.com. Please continue to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, Fringe Radio Network, and many more places. Go to our website to find links to all of our media outlets, as well as fantastic online courses and conferences, including the life-changing interactive course, Ultimate Impact. And last but not least, we ask that you consider partnering with us to fulfill the mission to get these messages to the world. To become a partner, go to the Partnership tab on our website. Thank you, and until next time, live a blessed life Keep carrying us in your heart and sharing us wherever hearts are open.